The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Big question on draft day. Upside or floor? Or both. How do you structure your team? Welcome to Fantasy Football today on this Tuesday. We're recording this fairly early, actually, on Monday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. So there might be some news that we missed that we don't get to and we'll get to on uh, Wednesday's show. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg, and it's the second show of the week. It's Ben Gretsch time. What's up, Ben? <laughs> Not much. How are we doing? I'm good. I'm doing well. I just had a leftover chicken quesadilla from my favorite Mexican restaurant. It was, oh, home run. I'm in a good mood, so Dave. You said, you said yeah. you were late because of baby stuff, but really. No, that was like delicious. 45 minutes ago I had the lunch. <laughs> the baby stuff, yeah, that was bad. But the food was great. I Dave, was telling Ben that up. you could use baby stuff as an excuse for anything. Like, you don't want to hang out with your friends? <laughs> uh, you know, I'd be there, but baby stuff and then you you know go surf the internet for two hours at home and i would love to hang out with my friends man it's been way too long way too long jamie's here as well hey jamie what's going on all right do you have a floor versus upside strategy do you just let it play out you know jamie is there such a thing for you i will always look for upside whenever it's uh, presented to me i think that's the way you win in fantasy so i think you always want to shoot for the player that's going to uh hopefully outperform where their draft value is um but i i understand there are certain points in the draft where you're going to take the safer play so uh but for me it's always the upside play floor is baked into value and upside is baked into want you know you really want a guy he's got huge potential you take him when there's a player there that goes oh you know he's safe he's safe you you go with that type of player and that's usually a guy that's a, a floor play someone who's safe Ben what do you think yeah I mean I think the the neat way to put a bow on it would be that I'm always kind of shooting for upside with my picks I think we've talked about that before I tend to be pretty aggressive in that sense and I agree with Jamie I mean that's how you win leagues that's you know we can talk about projected touches projected volume what we expect guys roles to be they never work out that way I actually wrote a piece that'll be up on CBS this week reviewing my projections last year and how off I was on several teams because of things that we, none of us could have expected, you know, huge, huge changes in, in team expectation. Um, So, you know, we can, we can think that we're sure about a lot of things in in draft season, but the reality is every NFL season is very, very unpredictable. And the things that win are the Lamar Jackson type upside last year Mm -hmm. are the, are the individual players who are league winners tend to be the biggest differentiator um, so I'm, I'm typically always searching for those. It doesn't mean I'll never take a floor pick, but uh, something close to that. But do you, does it matter what round you're in? I mean, is it like, for example, could you say, well, I'm going to take a lot of upside, but those are going to be mostly my late round picks. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you can think of it that way. Um, 
I don't think I of it that to, way, but I'm just throwing that out. No, I know. I, I tend to draft structure teams in an upside way too. Like you guys know that I won't take a lot of running back depth early in drafts. And I think that's a much more upside strategy because, you know, running backs are, are, are you know, especially at the top, you're, you're trying to lock in safe um, workloads. Um, I, you know, I would argue they're not always as safe. There's a lot of uh, injuries and there's a lot of uncertainty with running backs, especially outside the first three rounds when we get to that running back dead zone. Um, but I, I think early in the draft, yeah, you can talk about safety, but most of the top 25, top 30, 40 picks have floor and upside. I mean, I think we can all kind of agree on that. And so it's not really so much of a discussion at that point for me. Um, once you get into like the third or fourth round, I'm pretty much shooting for upside in those mid rounds. I want players in that range that could be first round picks the next year. And then especially later. Yeah. I'm still just shooting for upside. All right. Anything else or uh, should we get into today's exercise? Let's do it. All right. The only exercise I'm doing all day, we are going to uh, draft six spots or six players from four different spots in a draft. And we're going to have, the upside pick versus the floor pick, and then we're going to put together put together these teams and see which ones we like better. <clears throat> um, that's coming up in just a little bit. So I gave Dave the third pick, Jamie the fifth pick, because the sixth pick is so easy, Ben the ninth pick, and I took the twelfth pick, and we're just going to try to make different uh, different teams, upside versus floor. Um, Got to promote a few things. <clears throat> it's poker night. It's Tuesday. Well, it's Monday for us, but it's Tuesday for you. And we are giving away spots in a listener's league to Twitch subscribers as well. So that's your incentive to get on Twitch, twitch.com slash FF today. Subscribe. If you have an Amazon Prime account, you can link that to your Twitch account and get a month subscription. But twitch.com slash FF today. We're live 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday night for some poker tonight. Sometimes we do drafts. It's good stuff. We're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. I am wearing the same shirt I wore for the Monday show three hours ago. So deal with that. Um, you can check my wardrobe, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. This is a Lambda 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 shirt. It's one of my favorites. And we are one of 20 finalists for the sports category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. So we appreciate everything that the listeners do for us. We need your help, though. Go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Toggle down to the sports category and nominate <clears throat> fantasy football today. You can do it in the People's Choice category as well. But podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. The link is also in the episode description. Uh, One news item, Indianapolis Colts coordinator, Nick Sirianni, offensive coordinator, expects a big season from T.Y. Hilton. Big T.Y. Hilton talk today. Dave, you buying it? Big season. You know, it just keeps on reinforcing that if, if they're going to force feed him, then he's probably going to see a workload real similar to what Keenan Allen's seen. And he's probably a little bit faster than Keenan Allen, I would say. Yeah. So there's there there might be a safe floor with T.Y. Hilton where he's getting, you know, if he stays healthy, a neighborhood of 130 targets. He can turn that into 1,100 yards pretty easily, six, seven touchdowns. And then the ceiling could be much higher. Again, Rivers at quarterback, better than what he had last year. Probably not quite as good as what he had two years ago, though. Is T.Y. Hilton a floor or an upside player? Upside. Upside. There's, I think there's legitimate concern that you know he's going to be 31 during the season. Speed receivers tend to not age as great, uh, gracefully, but um, everything Dave just said is, I, I think, is the upside case for sure. Okay. The downside is what? Injury. 
Yeah, it's Number basically. One, I don't think anybody sees him as slowing down and not being as fast. I mean, I guess well, training camp. Okay, the downside could be maybe he doesn't have as much upside as some of the players going around him. Do you think? Like, I don't think T.Y. Hilton could be a top five wide receiver. Basically, you know, he he's never been a super high catch guy. He's never been a super high touchdown guy. Are there players going after T.Y. Hilton that could just be superstars? You know, maybe A.J. Green could get back to that. Maybe D.K. Metcalf or Terry McLaurin or something like that. We're going around uh, Hilton. Yes. Yeah. Question, yes. I mean, there's more upside with McLaurin, but you know, <clears throat> you're, you're, the thing with T.Y. Hilton is you're hoping that he's back to what he was doing with Andrew Luck, and I don't know if that's realistic because they're going to run the ball probably more so than they did then because their offensive line and their run game should be better with the backs that they have. Obviously, Phil Rivers is not Andrew Luck. So, you know, you're, you're asking him to step into that situation and be what Luck was pre-retirement, pre-calf injury. So it's, it's just not fair. But I think Hilton with a capable quarterback, and, and no disrespect to Jacoby Brissett, but Rivers should be a little bit better in terms of throwing the ball, that that's what you're hoping for Hilton to do. One more thing. The schedule, we've talked about this for Indianapolis. It's really good early on. It's Jacksonville. Vikings, we don't know about their secondary. The Jets at Chicago, at Cleveland, Cincinnati, and then a bye, and then at Detroit. Uh, maybe a couple of those teams will scare you a little bit, but you can start T.Y. Hilton right through the first half of the season and not have to worry about matchups. So a, a guy I would name in particular, though, that's going later that has more upside is Will Fuller. We've talked about him a lot, and I don't know that the, the difference is um, – is very stark. I think that they are both downfield players. They both could be their number one option. Um, they, everyone's really aware of Will Fuller's injury risk and maybe less aware that, that T.Y. Hilton is also a, a potential nagging injury risk, especially when you throw age in, into the uh, equation. So I don't think those guys have very different profiles, to be entirely honest. All right. Unfortunately, this uh, fake little draft we're doing here, we call it a mock draft in the industry. Um do not have enough rounds for Ben to select Will Fuller. And I don't see Jonathan Taylor on your team either. That's interesting. Okay. I got him. He's on mine. Okay, good, good, good. Let's get to it. Dave has the third pick. Jamie the fifth, Ben the ninth, and I have 12th and 13. So, Dave, at the third pick, who's the floor play? Who's the upside play? The floor play is Ezekiel Elliott. I just think that he, you, you know what you're getting with him. Certainly a candidate for close to 2,000 total yards, if not over 2,000 total yards. And plenty of touchdowns. And since this is PPR, he can get you around 50 catches. The upside play is Alvin Kamara, who last year did not come through for fantasy managers. He got hurt, but he still had a ton of catches. He's had 81 catches, mark it right to the number, each of his first few years in the NFL. Also has potential maybe not 2,000 yards, but 1,700, 1,800-yard potential, maybe in a good year he could get to 2,000. But the touchdowns, that's what he's got great potential for, well over 15. He's done that before. He could do it again. Jamie, you have the fifth pick. Who's the floor play? Who's the upside play? Uh, the floor play is Michael Thomas. I think we're pretty confident he's going to be the number one receiver going in. Hopefully he's the number one receiver going out. That doesn't necessarily happen. But you know, if he's anywhere close to 180 plus targets again, then he's going to be a monster. But if he's 150 targets, you kind of know what you're getting. He should still be a number one wide receiver, even in a down year. But uh, he's the safe play. The upside play is Dalvin Cook, who could be the number one running back, as we saw last year, was was awesome. Um, hopefully there's no holdout. Hopefully there's no injury. If you get 16 games of peak Dalvin Cook, you're going to be thrilled with taking him at the fifth spot. 
Okay, and look, I know some of you out there are saying, well, well like Michael Thomas doesn't have upside. Yeah, of course. It's not a it's not a perfect exercise. I should clarify a few things. It's PPR. We are drafting one quarterback, one tight end, two running backs, and two wide receivers. Obviously not in that order. Any order we want. We're using NFC average draft position from July 1st through July 20th. Um, straying a little bit from ADP at times, I guess, uh, to take the guys that we want. Um but yeah, those are the parameters here. So, uh, Ben, you have the ninth pick. Who's the floor play? Who's the upside play? The floor play there. I, I went the same way as Jamie, where I think the wide receiver is the floor. I took Devontae Adams. I think we're just going to see a ton of targets there, and you got to feel pretty confident in it. I think it's interesting that as I did this uh, experiment, and you'll you'll see my floor from this draft spot didn't involve any running backs in the first few rounds. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing because I think typically running backs early is more of a, a safer strategy. My upside play was Miles Sanders. It was a running back. Um, you know, we've talked about him a lot this offseason. I think, you know, a couple of months ago, we were talking about uh, making the comparison between Christian McCaffrey's first full offseason going into his second year and how Carolina didn't really prioritize replacing Jonathan Stewart. And then late in May, they added C.J. Anderson um, and people really read into that. I thought uh, the fantasy football world as a consensus, he started be, being kind of like a ninth round pick. People thought he'd fall right into this Jonathan Stewart role, uh, but the team had kind of let us know they weren't prioritizing another running back. They took him way later in the free agency period and, and for a cheap contract, the same deal has, has happened with Miles Sanders. Uh, and people are still expecting the Eagles to add someone and maybe they will. Uh, Doug Peterson had a quote not too long ago that he felt like that window had maybe closed on them because they had to go sign Jason Peters back. Um, it was Peters, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Because of the offensive line injury. And so they don't have a ton of cap room. They might bring in somebody, but um, you know, Carlos Hyde's now signed Devonta Freeman's agent has, has parted ways with him because he didn't accept some offer that Seattle w- was reported to be like three or 4 million. I don't think the Eagles are going to give Devonta Freeman three or 4 million. So at this point, I don't think he really fits to, to land in, in Philadelphia. I don't know who does fit. Maybe it's Lamar Miller, but um, they still haven't signed anyone. And people are acting like Miles Sanders is not going to be uh, an effort down back. I mean, he certainly has that upside. And if he has that that role, that's the upside pick here for sure. All right. And you know what? You know, people brought up that he got off to a slow start last year. Jamie, you reminded me Miles Sanders had a training camp injury, hurt his foot. In training camp last year, right? Yeah, so uh, I just wrote about Miles Sanders. It's on the site on, on CBSSports.com. How come um, you didn't let me went, proofread it or edit it, you know? Uh, because <laughs> I wanted it to be accurate. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I went back. This was from an interview we did with him uh, on Fantasy Football Today on CBS Sports HQ during the Super Bowl. And we asked him about his role and, and you know, picking up things with the passing game in particular. And he said that he he didn't pick things up until training camp. And I think it's kind of relevant, or at least what, what he said is kind of relevant to what I think the rookies are dealing with, with the lack of an off season. He said he had no off season work. Essentially. I didn't go back and check this to see if, I didn't, I didn't write about this in particular, but I didn't go back and check this. Uh, he said he had no off season work and really everything that he did was from training camp on. And so think about where all these guys are coming in right now. All these rookies had no work prior to training camp, whenever training camp will eventually open. So um, the hope would be is that, the guys that were drafting in the first five rounds, you know the names, we've, we've talked about them a lot. Edward Solaire, Taylor, John Taylor, uh, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, um, you know, maybe Keyshawn Vaughn, maybe, uh, um, who am I blanking on? Oh, J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins yeah. um, 
you know, those guys, but more, more so those other four. Uh, you hope it's not Miles Sanders where it takes to week 11 until you're starting them and starting them with confidence. But, you know, that could be the, the, the scenario that we're dealing with is that it, it may take some time given the veterans that are in place in front of them and the fact that they didn't start picking things up until training camp. Okay, and he did have a foot injury at some point during training camp as well, so maybe that contributed to the slow start. All right, so anyway, uh, so far, Ezekiel Elliott is the... talking about Miles Sanders. We should do it more. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott's the floor play for Dave, <laughs> Michael Thomas for Jamie, Devontae Adams for Ben at picks 3, 5, and 9. The upside plays are Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and Miles Sanders. And for me, at picks 12 and 13, I went one running back, one wide receiver in this scenario. Uh, my floor plays are Julio Jones and Josh Jacobs. And my upside plays... Oh, actually, I did not go one wide receiver with the upside plays. Uh, my floor plays are Julio and Jacobs. And my upside plays are Eckler and Drake. Uh, that just would be a really exciting and scary way. Very scary way to start a draft with Eckler and Drake, in my opinion. But a ton of upside. Uh, so Julio and, J- and Josh Jacobs are my floor plays. Eckler and Drake are my upside plays. All right, so let's go to round two. And Ben, um, I will say, I will uh-huh, say this: yeah. um, some, something Ben brought up because I think it's relevant that he said he went wide receivers with his floor play. This is a little bit of an imperfect exercise because I'm sure most of us would not be trying to fill out our lineups by sixth round. Yeah, yeah, the sure. sixth round. Yeah, yeah. So it was a little bit. There's some forced players here when we get after the first couple picks. Um, but yeah, I, I did the same thing with with pick five. I, I started. The floor plays as non-running backs as well. Okay. By the way, does, does anybody have any any gripes with round one? No. Uh, nope. Okay. So uh, round two, I started with either Jacobs for the floor or Drake for the upside or Eckler, whatever. Um, ben, your floor team has Devontae Adams and who's your second pick? Uh, yeah, so this gets right back to what Jamie said. I took Patrick Mahomes here, I think, it, knowing that I had to take a quarterback in the top six rounds. Now I got to pick a new player. <laughs> <laughs> knowing I had to take a quarterback in the first six rounds, Patrick Mahomes in the second round is, is a very clear floor pick. I don't think you have to pick a new player, Jamie. He's guess. my floor play, too. Yeah, that's okay. Isn't that okay? <laughs> I mean, because I think people I mean, drafting... Lamar Jackson, based on ADP, goes one pick in front of him, so I'll just take Lamar All right, Jackson. that's fine. <laughs> uh, ben, who's your upside play? If you're not going to go with the safe, safe, boring old Patrick Mahomes. Uh, yeah, my, exactly. My, my upside play is actually Travis Kelsey. I think we've talked about this. The tight ends go a little bit later, these elite tight ends, than probably their peer value because there's a lot of um, a lot of later round uh, value as well at tight end. And, I, you know, we, we've talked about how we say that every year. I do think there is this year. I, I do think it's deep. Um, but I think Kelsey is the upside play in the sense that if he just has a career season, he's getting a little on an age, but either him or Kittle, if they just have just monster seasons, they're going to pull away from the rest of the tight ends and and what the other people's ceilings look like. Um, and they're going to be so valuable to your roster that there's, there's a ton of upside in going tight end early with these guys. Okay. Can I just throw this out there? I think you may have switched them around. I think Kelsey is the floor play, and Mahomes is the upside play. What do you think about that, Gretch? I think you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, Jamie, what do you guys think? I think they're both in the same category, to be honest with you. I mean, if they hit, you're getting the top player at that position. But Mahomes' top player is more league-winning than Kelsey's, based on what they've done in their careers. No. 
I no. disagree because they both had the, they both had their career season in 2018, and Mahomes was so much more valuable than Kelsey because Mahomes was. Uh, I believe QB 15 that season and Kelsey was already a high end tight end, but Don't if you hit on a high end tight end who has a career season, that guy can be a league winner. Still that happened with Jimmy Graham several years ago. And I, I believe think, one Gronk year. I think the with, only thing that I would disagree with you, Ben, and agree with Adam is that yeah. that season Ertz and Kittle were great as well. They were all sure. set records. And yeah. so the difference between the number one tight end and the number three tight end was somewhat minimal the difference between Mahomes and everybody else was was pretty large yeah but I, I I'm just saying when you're when you're drafting in the second round with Mahomes you need him to be basically QB1 he's not yes, going to be that's fair. for this year he, yes. yeah he has to be so good I don't think he can be like this clear league winner he just ha- like that's why I think he's a floor play like I, I do think he's probably a lock for t- if he stays healthy for a top two or top three quarterback season um who has more upside? But you need Kel- that Kelsey or you Mahomes who has more upside to help fantasy managers, it's Mahomes. That's what I, I see. I would say it the exact same way and, and answer it differently. I would say in fantasy, it's Kelsey. Okay. For me. It's Kelsey. Okay. I say Mahomes. Dave says Mahomes. Yep. And the two wrong guys say Kelsey. So, uh, Jamie, <laughs> yeah, Jamie picking fifth overall. The, the floor play is Michael Thomas. Who is the Who are you pairing him with? Well, now it will be Lamar Jackson over okay. Patrick Mahomes. Boo-hoo. I got to take the guy who threw for 3,000 and ran for 1,200 yards last year and was the MVP of the NFL. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's the same argument. You know, the quarterback there um, has to deliver big, but, you know, you're, you're banking on uh, something close to what he did a year ago. And then I did the exact same thing Ben did with the upside play. I took George Kittle, uh, you know, just looking at a similar type of way to build your team. You know, if we're only going to – if we're locked into what we're doing here, getting – the second best tight end who could be the best tight end um, is smart to do. Jamie's trying to take different players, but according to ADP, Kelsey would be available with his pick. So well, Ben took all my guys. Yeah, Ben took his guys. <laughs> uh, I'll wait Dave, till round three, though. Took one of my guys. <laughs> Dave, and, uh, Dave with a third pick. The floor pick was Ezekiel Elliott. The upside was Kamara. What do you got in round two? The floor pick for me was Kittle because I figure nice, safe tight end. Should be able to give good numbers. Jamie, you had Kittle as your upside guy, right? Kittle is my upside guy. Yeah, right. but like so, I said, I, I think what Ben what Ben said applies here too. You know, the right. quarterback and the tight end are kind of the upside end of the floor. Right, and and I and I look at Kittle as more of like a safe foreplay. You know what you're getting with him. He's got potential to be great for your team, and he shouldn't crush you unless he gets hurt. So I I see these tight ends as floor plays more so than upside plays. And so since you took Kittle for your upside team, he's available in the floor draft oh, that we're doing. Nice. He's my floor tight end. <laughs> my pick is the name that we've talked about a lot. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The the location where he wound up, his skill set, and how he fits into Kansas City's offense. I think there is upside of 1,500 yards and double-digit touchdowns. I think the downside is very risky as well, but, I mean, all I got to do is just go back to Kareem Hunt's rookie year, point at it, and say this is what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has the potential to do. Okay, so we'll do round three. After round three, we'll look at everybody's teams and see which ones we like better, floor versus upside. Dave, you're back on the clock. On your floor team, you have Zeke and Kittle. Who's next? On the floor team, it's Mike Evans, who's only given us a thousand yards every year of his six-year career, and should be able to be at least that good yardage-wise with seven or eight touchdowns uh, on, on the season. Don't know about him getting a hundred catches or anything like that, or blowing up for fifteen hundred yards. But I think he's a good safe wide receiver that you can get in early round three. 
upside with Kamara and Clyde Edwards-Eler. Kenny Galladay, who is did come through for big touchdowns and good yardage, not great yardage last year. I think there's room for more if he gets more uh, target share in Detroit. All right, this is fun. Let's keep going. Jamie with the fifth pick on the floor team, Michael Thomas and Lamar Jackson. And? Sticking with receiver, I'm going to take Allen Robinson. Uh, should dominate targets for Chicago. Was very good last year. I think he has a chance to be a top 10 PPR wide receiver once again. So to get him as my second wide receiver, uh, not looking at running backs yet. So it was an easy choice to take uh, take him, who I have as a top 10 receiver this year. And then here we go, Ben. Round three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> JTT, Jonathan Taylor. Taking right. him as the second running back on this roster to pair with Dalvin Cook. I mean, that's just scream safety right there. Dalvin Cook and Jonathan Taylor. Nothing going to go wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Dalvin <laughs> Cook, Jonathan Taylor, and George Kittle. That's the upside team for Jamie. Ben, t- with the ninth pick, took Devontae Adams and Patrick Mahomes on the floor team. Who are you putting with Adams and Mahomes? I added DJ Moore, and I almost put him on both my upside and floor teams because I – don't understand his ADP. And then, and we talked about how we take him in this. Most of us all take him in the second round or are willing to, uh, I think his floor is incredibly high with the, with the targets and what we saw last year, but I also think his upside is very high. So, okay. I, I put him on the floor team though. Who's on the upside team with miles Sanders I, I, and Kelsey. Yeah. I went with Juju on the upside team. Um, you know, even if Jamie hadn't already taken Taylor here, he was a little bit ahead of his ADP was a little ahead of my spot, which is why I didn't take him a little more than two picks ahead of my spot. I felt like that was stretching a little bit. Um, so I went to, I went to Juju who I do think has a little bit more upside than more, you know, if you want to compare them directly, I, uh, the Pittsburgh passing offense, I think has more upside overall. Um, so Juju is kind of a little bit more of an upside play, uh, just kind of overall. I think he, he could be a monster just like we were hoping last year before everything kind of just got derailed. I think these two guys could challenge for the leading receptions. I've said that before. I wouldn't be surprised if they're, you know, pushing Michael Thomas to be the leader in, in catches. Who, and for those Juju. who are wondering where AJ Brown is, he's my upside round four pick. His <laughs> ADP's his ADP's far enough back. Juju and Moore, you're saying Jamie could challenge? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, all right. I had the twelfth pick and my floor team was Julio Jones and Josh Jacobs. Remember, this is PPR. This was really difficult for me because if you look at the NFC average draft position, there's this run in round three of running backs of uh Jonathan Taylor, Leonard Fournette, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, they're all off the board. Melvin Gordon's off the board. Todd Gurley's off the board. The guys that I expect to be there when I draft with CBS people are gone. So the only running back that I realistically would take here was Chris Carson. And I think that's a fine four, floor play. Floor play? No. Floor play. Ooh. I knew I was going to say it eventually. Um, Chris Carson would be the pick along with Cooper Cup who, according to average draft position, is available there because you see all these running backs are getting pushed up, wide receivers getting pushed down. So floor team, um, I guess I'll do three, just you know, to compare with you guys, uh, is Julio, Josh Jacobs, and Chris Carson. The upside team is Eckler, Kenyon Drake, and I'm sorry, but I, ha- I have to take Juju Smith-Schuster. Like that's, He's the ultimate upside pick, I think. Yeah. So we're both going to have him on our upside teams. Okay, let's compare... Who do you like better, Dave's floor team or upside? His floor is Zeke, Kittle, and Evans. His upside is Kamara, Edwards, Elair, and Galladay. PPR. What do you think? So we're only looking at his first three picks. And yeah, not so far. Yeah, we'll do it. Picks. We'll do it again. We'll do it. me after three picks. Yeah. I like I like his floor team better, honestly, and I think that's uh, makes some sense in the first three rounds. 
Yeah, I do too, Dave. I think I like it better too. Yeah. Jamie, unanimous? Uh, yeah. Okay. Jamie's floor team, Michael Thomas, Lamar Jackson, and Allen Robinson versus Dalvin Cook, George Kittle, and Jonathan Taylor. The upside. Floor team. Floor? I vote for it. I'm going to take the upside team because it has Taylor. <laughs> Jamie? Uh, I actually love the floor team. He's locked in a quarterback in his top two receiver spots. Oh. Now he's got a green light to go crazy on running backs. Yeah, well, no, I, I'm gonna change it. Tight, get tight end. <laughs> I'm gonna change yeah. it to the upside team. I like the upside team. Cook, Kittle, and Taylor better. Uh, I actually like the floor team better because I think if you start Michael Thomas, and I'm gonna do this in our uh, when are we recording this? When is this airing? Tuesday. Tuesday night um, is the draft recording. We're airing it Wednesday. Wearing this Wednesday? No, we're wearing this Tuesday. Okay, so the draft, I'm picking fourth. I'm going to take Michael Thomas. I'm going to do a zero RB draft from that spot to see how it plays out. Okay. Or a modified zero RB draft. If I have one of the first three picks, I'm going to take Michael Thomas just to... That's fine. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would never. All right, Ben with the ninth pick. Elliott or someone like that. Uh, ben, ninth pick. The floor team, Devontae Adams, Patrick Mahomes, and DJ Moore. The upside team is the best team we've seen so far. Miles Sanders, Travis Kelsey, and Juju Smith-Schuster. League winner. It's got it. Love it. Nope. I like the floor team better. You like the floor team better? You I hate do. Juju. I do. All right, Dave, is there a wide receiver that we could replace Juju Smith-Schuster with? If we made that... Um, yeah, Cooper that would Cup. probably do. That would be a really good start. Okay, Sanders, Just Kelsey, and Cup. Right. Okay. Okay, cool. We all like the upside team better. And then for me... The floor team is Julio, Jacobs, and Carson. The upside team is Eckler, Drake, and Juju. Definitely the upside team for me. Yes. That's yeah, I think crazy. I think I like the upside team That's better. That's tough, man. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I would never want to have Jacobs and Carson as my two running backs right. in, in PPR, but it really was all I was left with. Okay, which is, should be a lesson to you out there. If, you know, I wouldn't go receiver, receiver. Well, uh, you do it how, how you want. Just be aware of what you're looking at in round three and four. Mm-hmm. Okay, so round four for me was uh, Cooper Cup for the floor and Calvin Ridley for the upside. And uh. Ben, um, you've got on your floor team Devontae Adams, Mahomes, and DJ Moore. I thought we had to stay within three picks of ADP. Yeah, what did I not do? Where do you have Ridley at? He's, yeah, he's uh, forty. He's fortieth. Forty-two on NFC. I am forty-two. No, we didn't have to stay within. Th- we had to stay I within three 40. picks. Thirty-nine point nine nine. Yeah. So listen, he he's his ADP is forty, but he's the forty-second player in ADP, if that makes sense. But you're cheating. No, I'm not. What I said was, you can only go three picks earlier in ADP. You can go as late as you want. You know, if a guy's going after where you're drafting, you can take him. That's no big deal. Yeah, shoot. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Ben on the clock in round four. The floor team has Adams, Mahomes, and Moore, and? Well, I had Carson here, but you, you, I don't know if you stole him with your floor pick. Um, Keep him. But he fit. I thought he made sense. If if you stole him, I, I guess I can go to the next running back, which is Dave Montgomery. He's another floor guy that I don't really see a lot of upside with, or even Devin Singletary after that. Those guys are all, you know. Floor floor running backs that I don't love taking in this range, but my floor team doesn't have any running backs yet, and and we have this six round thing where I can't take <laughs> any more receivers. Normally, I would just keep taking receivers. 
<laughs> okay, I'm sorry I ruined the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> who's your upside play with Sanders, Kelsey, and Smith Schuster? And that's AJ Brown. Yeah, I mentioned that. What a team. Yeah, I, mean, I want to pick ninth and draft for upside. This is a, such yeah, a team. This is a fun team. Jamie, Michael Thomas, Lamar Jackson, Allen Robinson on the floor team, and still no running backs. I'm going to go Mark Andrews here for the floor. Uh, very safe, very productive. Um, if you're going to go zero RB, this is the perfect strategy to do uh, to get top tier quarterback, top tier tight end. You stack them as well, which isn't bad. Isn't bad. And then two top flight wide receivers. So uh, that's an easy selection there. And then the upside play was Calvin Ridley. Um, I'm going to keep him because you keep team. him. I just I just want to say, and I love this about zero RB or like this is the, the whole strategy of not necessarily going heavy on RBs early. Jamie has taken four good floor picks, guys that we can project really well because it's easier to project targets than it is necessarily r- rushing for um, opportunity uh, or I guess running back opportunity, especially when you start thinking about what touches are more valuable and the, and the touchdowns and all those things. He's He's locked in a ton of targets at his two receiver spots and his tight end spot. He's locked in Lamar Jackson, who we all love, obviously. I mean, it's just a price issue. And now if he does wind up hitting on a late round running back, like let's say, you know, he takes like a Ronald Jones or somebody later and that guy ends up blowing up. Oh, I did. Yeah. This, <laughs> this lineup is going to, it's a floor team. He's taken floor picks, but this team has so much upside. If he hits on some running backs that he feels good about, this is going to be a monster team. So that's Michael yeah, Thomas, I'll, I'll Lamar you, you Jackson, know, just, Robinson, and Andrews. Yeah, Right. Not not to skip ahead, but I'm going to skip ahead. Um, since I was forced to take a running back in round five, I took Mark Ingram. I would never take Mark Ingram because I feel like that's a reach in PPR in round five when Terry McLaurin is still on the board. So I would have right. taken Terry McLaurin in round five and just keep adding to this uh, building on my strength, which would be, you know, uh, getting another potential top 20, maybe top 15 wide receiver. Another thing I thought of, Ben, when you said a lot of tight end, a lot of targets for his team and Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, and Mark Andrews, I don't know that Mark Andrews is going to have a lot of targets, but if he doesn't, it's probably because Lamar Jackson is running a ton, and since Jamie has both Jackson and Andrews, the losses that he might get in Andrews would be offset by all of the rushing yards that he's getting from Lamar Jackson. Could he have a floor of 35 PPR fantasy points between those two every single week? Yeah. Yeah, probably close to it. I mean, unless the Ravens get blown out one game. On his own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Unless the Ravens just got absolutely destroyed one game for some reason. Yeah. Right. I mean, where, where you go weak with zero RB is when you draft players who don't have consistency. And we, we think that everybody that Jamie's picked will be consistent to the point where they're good in at least. High floor. That's what you want. High floor. High floor guys who are consistent, that's really the key because then you're you're getting you're accumulating points every week for your fantasy team. And whatever you get from the running backs just helps boost that number up. And if that number is real low because you're not committing to running backs, maybe you're only getting 13 points per week in PPR from your running backs. Well, you've got consistent players that are setting your score up nice and high. So if you're going to do zero RB, you really do have to go after floor players who can give you that nice, consistent basis. All right, Dave, your floor team with the third overall pick, Zeke, Kittle, and Evans. Who'd you put on that team? I added Robert Woods, who 130 targets consecutive years, catches a lot of passes. I think he's a safe number two receiver in PPR. Upside. Upside is DK Metcalf. And I, I just see him as a potential beast in the NFL. There are some people who believe that he's better than Tyler Lockett. 
And I, I think his ceiling could be insane. He, I think he does have top 12 receiver potential. Um, things break his way and he improves as much as, as we hope he can in his second year. Okay. So that Dave's done with four picks. We're going to go right back to him in the fifth round. Zeke, Kittle, Evans, Robert Woods, and... Mark Ingram was who I have here, and I don't know if I'm allowed to, to draft him again or not. I think so. I skipped ahead, so you're ahead of me, so you can take him. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> look, look, it's gross when you're forced to take a running back at this spot, and I looked at the quarterbacks who I could get in round six, and just knowing the ADP and knowing that I'll get my guy in round six, I'll just wait till round six to round out this team with a quarterback. So Ingram was the best available running back. I don't love him. Obviously, round five is too early to take him in a full PPR. And I do think that for this exercise, you know, just using ADP and I feel like it's okay if our teams have the same players. It's it's just the philosophy of how to structure a team. No, you cheated. Uh, sure. Well, of course I cheated. <laughs> I think it would but be a more fun exercise if we weren't allowed to do that. You Azer statted this uh, draft. Um, upside, Dave, with Kamara, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Galladay, and Metcalf. The way that Ben felt about DJ Moore is how I feel about Dak Prescott. I think that he's got a nice, safe floor, and I think he's got a limitless ceiling. And I, I kind of wanted to take him for my spot on both the teams here, but I only did it for the upside team. Okay, it's Dak Prescott. Jamie, Michael Thomas, Lamar Jackson, Allen Robinson, Mark Andrews, and who else on the floor team? So Dave took Mark Ingram. Um, this is a little bit of a weird floor guy because we haven't seen him with his team for 16 games, but I'm going to put Kareem Hunt here because I do think that he gave us an example of what his floor could be in a limited role last year with the Browns. And now with Stefanski there with the opportunity to hopefully get a few more carries on top of what he should be able to do in the passing game. I think that he could have a significant floor and also a significant ceiling. So uh, I will take him here. He's not as safe as probably Mark Ingram because you don't know what you're going to get. But Ingram also, you know, you can argue the floor is maybe not the same, just given the fact of what Dobbins addition means to what Ingram's workload could be. So they're kind of similar, but I'm going to put Kareem Hunter as the floor play. Mark Ingram caught five touchdowns last year. Between Ingram and Hunt, who do you think is more likely to catch five touchdowns this year? I mean, the fact that Mark Ingram caught five touchdowns on 26 receptions is ridiculous. So, it is. Yeah. I think And Hunt, Dave, it's Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of the weirder stats from fantasy last year. It really you know, is. It was five touchdowns. All right, Jamie, they, Cook, they Kittle. One of the things they did right last year. Cook, Kittle, Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, and Calvin Ridley, and? The fact that uh, Tyler Lockett's ADP here is what it is, is kind of insane. So uh, I think the fact, again, that I have to take a second receiver uh, makes a lot of sense. He's got top 15 upside. So to pair him with Calvin Ridley and what those two guys could do if things go right for them, the only downside for Tyler Lockett would be is the unknown. It's Antonio Brown. If he does sign with Seattle, I don't really view Josh Gordon as that much of a threat, but Brown would be a threat. So if that happens, then the upside comes down significantly. But uh, I think in the current scenario of what we're dealing with, with no additions to the Seattle passing game so far, Lockett uh, at this spot is a steal. This is a very, very good team. Uh, Cook, Kittle, Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, Calvin Ridley, and Tyler Lockett. I was just reading Brady Henderson of ESPN.com over the weekend. Uh, maybe the line that John Schneider has repeated most often in his decade-long run as Seattle Seahawks general manager is that the organization wants, wants, quote, to be in every deal, end quote. It's his way of saying that they'll look into every potential acquisition. He goes on to say that that's why they're being linked to so many people. He does not think Antonio Brown is going to be on the Seahawks, um, this article here. Josh Gordon, more of a possibility if he gets cleared. Um, 
he just doesn't really like this article poured a little bit of cold water on it. Well, they know what they're getting in Gordon. He's already been part of the organization. He stayed in Seattle throughout his suspensions, you know, so suspension, excuse me, the latest suspension. So, you know, he's, he's probably around the guys, uh, probably in contact with, with, you know, maybe his receiver coach who knows whatever, you know, communication they may be allowed to have, but it just makes more sense for what they know. Now, Brown obviously has been working out with Russell Wilson. So a little bit of a different scenario there, but I mean, if you, if I'm Seattle, I want Antonio Brown. Yeah, Much more so he, than he, he brought up that one, it might be too expensive. And two, they had, they dealt with Frank Clark when they drafted him and his off the field issues. And it, they just, he, he, this writer speculates the Seahawks wouldn't really want to go down that road again. So I just want to bring that up. All right, let's move on to Ben. Is there a chance that AB ends up suspended? Of course. Based on, like, I believe so. Everything that I read seems to suggest that he could still face a suspension, not will face a suspension, but right. it's going to be disciplinary. It's not, you know, it's not going to be like season, season long suspension. Okay, let's go to Ben's pick in the fifth round. Floor team is Devontae Adams, Patrick Mahomes, DJ Moore, and Chris Carson. Yeah, so I haven't taken a tight end on this team yet. I think Zach Ertz makes a lot of sense here. It's really interesting to me that his ADP is, uh, you know, pick 56 right now on um, on NFC. So it's right around where I picked here at 509. Uh, I guess that's right at five, or I guess 57 is 509. He's the 57th ranked player in ADP. Um, that's... Uh-huh. Kind of late now. We we debated Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz a lot this offseason, and Andrews is going a full round higher at this point. Um, I guess not on average, but on you know if you rank them, he's pretty clearly ahead of of Ertz, and I think Ertz is still you know definitely ahead of the rest of the tight ends in terms of our security and comfort in his targets. Um, I you know I think the target ceiling probably won't be as high as we've seen in recent years, but he's going to be a really good tight end. Still going to see a ton of targets. I love his value in round five. If I, I think knew the one thing to consider five, if you're debating yeah. these two guys, we talked about this a little bit last week, Adam, is uh, Andrews has type 1 diabetes. Yeah, I, I was just about to bring that up, and I know he said he's going to play. Right. But the thought that, look, five players on the Ravens get it or something like that, I, I'm nervous about he, him just being, and I would completely understand it, him just saying, look, I can't, I can't risk it. And for that if, reason, if, honestly, if you're going to play it safe and you're debating those two guys, given the current circumstances right. of what we're dealing with, he might fall behind Ertz just given that scenario. It's, it's just a possibility. Yeah. Andrews has a higher ceiling. I mean, if his targets go up, he's going to be better. Or, I mean, one other thing, if he gets it, you know, he could have a, a, a slower process back from it. You know what I mean? Like we don't, could. We don't know. Yep. Right. Right. Um, okay, your upside team is Miles Sanders, Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, A.J. Brown, and who else is on this beautiful, beautiful team? Uh, so I had to take QB at some point. Kyler Murray's sitting here, and, uh, you know, there's not much more upside at, run, at, uh, at quarterback than a running quarterback like this uh, who ran for 1,000 yards in his final season, ran for 500 in his rookie season, his final college season, ran for 500 in his rookie season, has, you know, He's not going to be Lamar Jackson, but he's the only thing that's that's close to Lamar Jackson. I think has you know has that type of potential rushing upside. Not twelve hundred yards, but if I had to guess, somebody other than Lamar Jackson who could run for eight hundred yards at the quarterback position this year, I would no doubt take Kyler Murray. I, I think he's shown that going all the way back to high school, he's had that dual threat ability. Um, and I know people worry about his size and all those things, but 
he has that, that, that uh, athleticism. And then you add in Deandre Hopkins and you add in the potential for some, you know, some extra plays from, you know, given them their pace compared to their play volume last year, which we've talked a lot about, they played fast and they didn't actually run that many plays. They might add some plays this year. They, they throw some more passes. He scrambles a bunch more. This guy definitely has a lead upside. He's also my quarterback on my upside team. So, and I already did a Twitter poll. I already tweeted out my rosters here, so I can't make any changes. Um, all right, my last two picks, rounds five and six. The floor team is Julio Jones, Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson, and Cooper Cup. My floor quarterback is Dak Prescott. My upside quarterback is Kyler Murray. My floor tight end is Darren Waller. This was this was tough to get a tight end in this range. My floor tight end was Darren Waller. And my upside tight end was Evan Ingram. So my rosters are in the books. I'll go through those when we finish round six. Back, But again, to recap my picks, floor quarterback, Dak Prescott, floor tight end, Darren Waller. Upside plays were Kyler Murray and Evan Ingram. Um, okay, Ben, you've got Devontae Adams, Mahomes, DJ Moore, Chris Carson, and Zach Ertz on the floor team. Who else? And so... I, I had to get another running back. There's not a lot of great floor running backs here. I took Ronald Jones here. I don't know that he's necessarily oh. a floor pick, but he's somebody that I feel pretty confident will be involved with Tampa Bay. I know a lot of people like Keyshawn Vaughn's pass catching potential, but Jones was a better runner last year than people you know recognize, I think, and we've talked about that, and, and he's going to have a role. He's not going to just go away. He's going to at least get carries. The, the downside to him is that he doesn't really get much receiving work um, they don't trust his pass blocking and he's just a, you know, a trap back, as I like to say, where he's just getting a lot of between the twenties carries, but I think he would still be an efficient runner in that scenario. This is a team that we expect to be better and then thus have more rush attempts overall. Um, so I think he's a fine floor option at running back. If you need an RB two to start, do you, do you think he's a better floor play than Damian Williams? Well, it's funny. I took, so I took Damian Williams as my upside running back and I almost picked Williams for both and I almost considered picking Jones for both, but I think Williams clearly has more upside than Jones. If he actually just pushed Clyde Edwards Hilaire away, but you know, for whatever reason, because of uh, Edwards Hiller not getting enough off season and, and Williams is the number one pretty clearly. And he's playing 50, 60, 70% of the snaps. Then yeah. Like I think Damian Williams has way more upside than Ronald Jones at that point. But I think you're right. I think you can make the case that Williams has more of a floor too, just because he's going to have a receiving role. I think the, the the thing that pushed me over the edge was like, well, what if Clyde Edwards Hilaire does that to Williams? What if Clyde Edwards Hilaire is what we're hoping as a second round pick and he just plays a lot? Then Williams is his floor is probably actually a little bit lower, you know? So that's where his, his ADP comes I, I, in. Yeah, I just think like in a, in a normal offseason, Edwards Hilaire would probably push him off the field sooner rather than later. In the current offseason, it's going to be, I think, a little bit more challenging for him to do it. I think you still draft him. For me now, it's the third round for Edward Solaire. Like, I'm going to take him in the beginning of the third just because of the run on running backs we're going to see. But, uh, I, I, again, you know, when the draft happened, you know how high I was on him. I just, I just don't feel the same way given the lack of work and how much I think continuity is going to be important to these teams. Once Damian Williams misses time, because he always misses time, then I think that's where Edward Solaire will shine through. But until that happens, I think it's going to be a little bit more challenging for Edward Solaire to be justified in the second round. And Williams in the sixth round makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Jamie, you're up next. Your floor team, finish it off. Michael Thomas, Lamar Jackson, Allen Robinson, Mark Andrews, and Kareem Hunt. Well, since Ben stole Ronald Jones from me, I was going to take him in round six. I'll put Damian Williams on the floor team for exactly what I just said. 
And then for the upside team, uh, a lot of what Ben said about Kyler Murray, I feel about Deshaun Watson. And I'll say this uh, again. I think this is his Cam 2015 season. And if Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks play close to 16 games, let's say 13 plus games, Deshaun Watson will be the MVP of the NFL. So I think Watson is, to me, the third best quarterback behind Mahomes and Jackson coming in. He needs those guys, which is the hugest if, to stay healthy. But if those guys stay healthy, I think he's going to have just a, a, a chance for – he was on pace for almost 700 rushing yards as a rookie. I think he could be what Ben said, you know, around 800 rushing yards for uh, the season because of the way the offense will operate. And uh, I think he's going to lead quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns. And so I think Watson's going to have a monster season. So I'm thrilled to get him in round six. All right, Dave Richard. Round six, you have on your floor team, Zeke, Kittle, Evans, Woods, and Ingram. So I need a quarterback. Sure do. Russell Wilson, name still hasn't been called. Can't believe it. And he's a floor play here because he's given you 30 touchdowns plus, over 4,000 yards, I think three straight seasons, something close to that, right on there. That's his average anyway over the last three years. And he's been a dynamic fantasy quarterback. He'll run a little bit too. Not as much as some of the other guys that are ceiling plays, but I think I think he's a shoe in to be a top five fantasy quarterback. Can I, can I bring something up with Russell also because he tweeted this yesterday uh, with or Sunday, excuse me, with the um, the we want to play stuff that his wife is pregnant. And again, if you're nitpicking Russell versus Kyler versus Dak versus Watson, do you take that into account that if he doesn't feel comfortable, is he going to sit? Well, but we'll know by August if he's going to sit. Like the NFL set a deadline of August 1st. If a player doesn't plan on playing, they have to opt out by August 1st and they can't come back. So if, if he takes that approach, we'll know very, very soon. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I would imagine there's gotta be ways around that. If he decides he's not going to quote unquote play, but yeah. still play, you know, maybe after the baby's born, I don't know when the, when the due date is, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I was wondering that too. The right. Date. Like maybe he plays a couple of weeks and he's just not comfortable. And Oh, I would imagine it's, he's not going to play. And then he plays. I don't think it's going to be play, sit, play. By the way, making these players decide by August 1st is... It's terrible. BS. I, disgusting. Right. You know, I, I think it's totally wrong. Dave, I think they should let them go through some of training camp first and then decide. If they decide on, on Saturday that they don't want to play, I'm fine with that. Like, this, this is their lives are in jeopardy here. The owners yeah. get to, get well, to I do think whatever the, the hell the, they want. The, the, the risk also comes in. It's not just playing. It's, you know, being around your teammates and being in huddle and all those things. You know, yeah. So, you know. Exactly. But, like, at some point, if they decide, okay, I'm just not comfortable doing this, you have to give these players the option to do whatever the hell they want. Figure it out financially what that means. But you do not say you have a deadline to make a decision. And I, and I imagine throughout the year, if the players decide, like, I, I can't do this anymore, there are contingency plans for that. I don't buy that there's, like, a hard deadline that they're mm-hmm. in or out. They have to be flexible in a situation like this. Sure. Um, all right. Kamara. NFL isn't good with flexible. <laughs> Edward Zelaer, Galladay, Medcalf, Dak, and on the upside team. I got to take a tight end. I'm taking my guy, Tyler Higby. He's my fifth-ranked tight end. We saw what his potential was with massive fantasy points in PPR in his final five games. Holy moly, that's his ceiling. And if he hits that, you're cruising to the playoffs with Higby at tight end. Our teams are done. This is exactly how fantasy drafts work. Your first six picks are a quarterback, a tight end, two running backs, and two wide receivers every time. So this was perfect. There are a few people I know who do that. That's fine. They get their starters first and then their backups. 
So I think I think it was kind of interesting. I, I just figured that we would all be like, oh, I like the upside team, but that's just not how it played out. Let's see what changes after three picks. Um, okay, so here's Dave's team. Floor, picking third overall PPR. Zeke. Well, I'll, I'll go I'll go by position here. Wilson, Zeke and Ingram, Evans and Woods, and George Kittle. The upside team, Dak, Kamara and Edward Zelaire. Galladay and Metcalf and Higby. Oh, I, I, I mean, I have a clear favorite. I like the floor team more. Same. Me too. Same. Four nothing floor. All right. Play it, play it safe. And that's with Mark Ingram at running back. I think if this were a real draft, I would have taken a receiver there. And then, uh, or maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Ronald Jones at this point. I'm getting excited about him, but well, I'm following the rules of the game. Gotcha. I took Ingram. I probably would have taken a receiver, and then I'm not sure if I would have taken Russ in the sixth round. Might have gone a running back there. Did you do a Twitter poll by any chance? In my life, yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, what did it say? What was it about? In my life, the Twitter poll. I've done a bunch of Twitter. No, polls. I, did you do a team comparison Twitter poll? No, okay. I've been podcasting with you for the last 45 minutes. Yeah, you suggested I, that I like five minutes before the podcast. Thirty started. minutes before. <laughs> All right, here's Jamie's team. Uh, the floor team picking fifth. Lamar Jackson, Damian Williams, Kareem Hunt, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, and Mark Andrews. Lamar Jackson, Mark Damian Hunt. Williams, Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, and Mark Andrews. Uh, the upside team. Deshaun Watson, Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Lockett, and George Kittle. I like the upside team. Yeah, I do too. It's the running backs kind of scare me on the floor team as, as, as the strategy was great. I just don't love, and the philosophy is the same as what I said. If one of those two running backs ends up being great, that team's going to go to the playoffs. But I just, I feel a lot more comfortable with that upside team because I already feel good about one of those running backs. And like I said, if I, if I was doing this without being restricted by positions, obviously all of our teams would change, but I would have taken a receiver in round five and then maybe Kareem Hunt as my first running back in round six. The two running backs that Dave is alluding to are uh, Damian Williams and Kareem Hunt compared to Dallas and Jonathan if, Taylor. If one of those guys hits, that team is amazing. I, I really like that team too. I, I just, I, I think I just feel more comfortable with the structure of drafting some running backs early and then you still get Ridley and Lockett and who was a tight end on that upside team? Oh, Ridley, Lockett, yeah. Kittle. I mean, that right there I mean, that's is just, just what yeah. sells it for me. Still I will say really this. Good. My two teams combined are better than all of yours. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> two good teams. It's fair. All right, I'm voting upside. Dave, you voted for the upside? I did. Jamie, you said? Both. Okay. And <laughs> Ben? <laughs> I, I voted upside, but okay. I, I do like them both. They're good teams. All right, Ben with the ninth pick. The floor team is Mahomes. Carson and Ronald Jones, Devontae Adams, DJ Moore, and Zach Ertz. The upside team is Kyler Murray, Miles Sanders, Damian Williams, Juju, AJ Brown, and Travis Kelsey. Man, like I'm taking Mahomes. the upside. I'm taking the upside team too, but it's easy to overlook how much better Mahomes could be than Murray. Like that could make all the difference, but I mean, if they're even close, the upside team's going to run away with it. I vote upside. Ben, Jamie? Upside. I like them both. <laughs> I drafted them. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal Jamie's uh, 
shtick there. I, I like both these teams. <laughs> All right. My pick, 12th overall. Floor team is Dak, Josh Jacobs, and Chris Carson, Julio Jones and Cooper Cup, and Darren Waller. The upside team is Kyler Murray, Eckler and Drake, Juju and Ridley, and Evan Ingram. What do you guys think? Upside, it might not be close. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. I think it's close. But I, I want. Think- yeah, I want upside too. So I thought that the upside, I was the only one who did a Twitter poll. Smart. I thought the upside team was going to run away with it. Eckler, Drake, Kyler, Juju, Ridley, and Ingram. It's losing 55% yeah. to 45%. People like Team B with Dak, Jacobs, Carson, Julio, Cup, and Waller. But did People, you put C results? I did not put C results. <laughs> People love running backs like Jacobs and Carson when they're evaluating teams because they have these locked-in touches, but we know that they're probably not going to have huge receiving roles. I, don't I, don't think, I, I think, look, I have Eckler and Drake on the other team. So I'm thinking that Julio Jones must have swayed people. And maybe I, I would take Kyler Murray over Dak Prescott. I don't think a lot of people would. But maybe Dak Prescott being on Team B swayed a lot of voters too. There's lots of ways that this could you know, go. Um, I think like Jacobs and Carson are, are somewhat similar if you, know, you look at what, what they could do. Uh, like I'm, I'm a little bit bullish on Jacobs just because I do think that he has a chance to challenge for the league league in rushing. Uh, we saw that last year. You know, If he had played 16 games, he would have been third. Um, the touchdowns, I think, can get to 10. He had seven in 13 games. So if he's 10 plus touchdowns and then he gets to what Carson did as a receiver last year, which was 37 catches, um, is that really a stretch for a guy that had 20 and 27 targets? I don't know if that's a stretch. Um, uh, our projects, I don't know what you have him projected for, Ben. I know you're a little bit down on Jacobs, but um, his projected receptions for Sportsline are 27. So, so I'm at 25. So, yeah. So, I mean, not, not a big leap by any stretch, but I mean, you know, Factoring in the rookies and, and the offseason, is is Lynn Bowden going to be a huge factor in the passing game? Is it going to be Devontae Booker who's coming over from another team? Or is this going to be Jalen Richard going back to what he did two years ago, which is probably the most realistic part of it. But still, if Jacobs, I, uh, you know, I wrote about Sanders, I wrote about Jacobs also. Jacobs told us when we talked to him in January that uh, he felt like the coaches probably didn't trust him in pass protection and playing on passing downs in camp. And he felt like that you know, maybe improved as the year went on a little bit, but they also had DeAndre Washington who played a lot in, in, in those roles also. So I'm not expecting Jacobs to take a huge leap. I don't think Carson takes a huge leap either. I think, you know, if you're getting 37 catches from him again, you should be thrilled about that. Um, the difference for me is that Carson, I think, loses a little bit with Hyde being there. He's going to be in an, it, it's like the same thing with Frank Gore and Le'Veon Bell. Carlos Hyde is not better than Chris Carson. This is not a conversation about that. Carlos Hyde is just going to ruin Chris Carson enough that it makes it frustrating to be a Chris Carson owner. That's how I view it for him. So that's my frustration with Carson. Okay. Eckler Drake with your first two picks is, I don't know if I can think of like more potential outcomes from your first two picks. It's just, but PPR, you should feel good about it though. Okay. But at the same time, I got my buddy, Ben Gretsch that tells me that running quarterbacks don't throw to their running backs that much. (laughs) And I think both of those guys could under-deliver. I still think they get to 50, but I think they could be a little disappointing in catches, a little lower than people expect. 
Well, I think for Eckler, the hope is that the offset and the catch is coming down is that the rushing production comes up because of what we saw in those first four games. <laughs> you're right. Ben, are you, ben is... Uh, Ooh! Does anybody have a Heimlich? <laughs> I just uh, got some saliva on the windpipe. I mean, just like like little kid stuff there and just coughing my butt off over here on mute. Hey, Jamie, I, I want to read some emails here. You want to give a quick thought on the Eckler-Drake thing? And I just, I I just Again, I just think that the, the hope would be is... You know, for Eckler, the carries come up enough that it offsets whatever he loses in the passing game. Like, he's not going to be a disaster in the passing game. And Heath has brought this up a lot, that what Tyrod did in Buffalo, he threw his backs a little bit, too. So, Oh, he did, um, for sure. So, yeah. Okay. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. This is from Khan. Dear Sam, Coach Norman Woody. Cheers. Cheers. So I have the first pick Would in a like two- to get away? Yeah. Listen to the lyrics to the actual song. It's a very strange song. I have the first pick in a two-quarterback league that is .75 PPR. I should take McCaffrey, right? I'm tempted to take Mahomes. I would take McCaffrey. Yeah, I'd take McCaffrey. From Anthony. I think Cheers might be... taking a glass of water right now. What'd you say, Dave? I think Cheers might be the best sitcom of all time. It's either them or The Simpsons for me. It's Seinfeld. I mean, as much as I love The Simpsons, it's got to be Seinfeld, right? Seinfeld's amazing. Yeah. I, I belly laugh every episode of Cheers. The Simpsons is my favorite, but I think Seinfeld's probably better. Every episode that The Simpsons airs at this point just ruins their legacy a, a little bit more. I haven't watched them in 15 years. Every time I see like a newer, it's, it's just unwatchable. Okay, from Anthony. Hey, Luke, Han, Chewy, Lando, and Leia. Oh, Star Trek. Star Trek, yes. Live long and prosper. Okay, half PPR. Adam, since you hate both, which do you like more? I don't, I don't hate both. I don't hate either. That's a lie. No, it's not. I'm, I have no interest in watching Star Trek, but I wouldn't say I hate it. And Star Wars is a great movie. I didn't realize it until three years ago. But <laughs> you refused to watch it. No, I saw it as a kid and I didn't like it. So I was like, it's so boring, but it's actually quite good. When you finally watch Hamilton, you'll think the same thing. Probably. Yeah. Hamilton's fantastic. Yeah, I just finally saw it and it was great. I have not what I expected. I have the eighth pick, half PPR. I'm on a loop in my house. <laughs> I was thinking of going Miles Sanders, but at 13, if Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill are gone, is it crazy to take DJ Moore over Julio and Hopkins? It's not crazy, to be honest. I have him one spot behind Jones and ahead of Hopkins, but I I mean, I don't think you have to do it. If he can get to six-plus touchdowns, DJ Moore is going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, if he could return value here, you might be able to get more at the end of the third, though. I mean, that's the thing. Right. Yeah, take one of those receivers and then target more later. I don't think he's going to get him because it's close, but half-point PPR, there's no way. I don't think he's going to get him because they're keepers. So just mm. just a guess. There's one keeper. Um, I'm but, not taking. Don't right, take him over Julio. Hopkins is more justifiable. Well, in a keeper league, I probably have more over Julio. I don't know if you can keep him year after year after year. I get yeah. from on that. It depends on the keeper parameters for sure. Yeah. All right. James says, "Hey, Matt, John, Mark, Lovey, and Dick." Bears coaches. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. Quarterbacks. Oh, oh, he's doing projections. James is doing his own projections. 
Quarterbacks were fine as the outlook hasn't changed a crazy amount, but with all the running back changes, trades, rookies, etc., how do you go about doing projections when so many teams have made running back moves? You guess. I mean, you you divvy up, you look at historical trends and you divvy up the usage based on how you think that the teams are going to use their running backs. But yeah, this is a tough thing about projections. Every year it's a, it's uncertain. There's so much turnover in the NFL. Um, yeah, look at coaching tendencies, look at uh, recent history and you have to, you have to make some educated guesses on how you think teams are going to use players, you know, running backs in this case, whether you think they're going to be three down backs and get the receiving work or the team's going to use one guy as kind of an early down guy and one guy in the passing game. You're, you're projecting. Okay. This is from Tim from Lone Tree, Colorado. Dear Joe, Harry, Benny, and Butch. No idea. Google doesn't know either. Who are some viable double-digit running backs in a PPR format that could maybe get you six to eight starts throughout the year in your lineup? Josh Kelly. Uh, Daryl Henderson for me. Antonio Gibson's a guy I really like who you can get yep. later. I'm looking at the NFC ADP for July right now. Yeah, so double-digit rounds, I got to go outside 120. I'm doing the same thing. Yep. Well, Boston Scott. I like Boston Scott a lot. Philip Lindsay's at 112. That's technically round 10. I mean, I know I've had some people tweet at me too when I talk about that Miles Sanders stat I talked about earlier or like the comparison with McCaffrey. Like, yeah, Boston Scott's there and he did back him up late in the year, but Sanders was still very productive. I think they can coexist. And Scott is a really good PPR late round weapon to target. He got a lot of targets in those five games that he played, including the, the postseason and was getting some goal line work. I mean, the Eagles tend to rotate in there passing downs back even in the in the green zone they did it with darren sproles and they're kind of going to use scott similar so i really like scott Does scott get those targets though with everybody healthy at receiver that's yeah it's, toughest it's question. a little tougher yeah yeah Naeem hines is at 149 yep there's another one i i think boston scott's goal line work came in week 17 mostly when sanders got hurt because three of three of his rushing touchdowns came that game sanders only played a half in that game yeah, yeah. okay one more email at fantasyfootballcbsi.com from Keith Lawrence in Richmond, Virginia. Dynasty question about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He had a very disappointing 2019 that he says was due to injury. I'm hoping he could be this year's DJ Chark. Chark had an injury his first year that sidelined him completely, so there wasn't any chance for him to be bad. If he had a nagging injury instead of the one that sidelined him, wouldn't that make his first season lousy as well? J.J. Ortega-Whiteside says he's healthy and he does already have a year of experience in the system with Wentz. What do we need to see in camp in September that would make you feel like J.J. could be the star instead of Jalen Rager? If you need a roster spot, would you cut him? I don't know who him is. But um, it's an interesting premise here. Oh, it would be our Sega Whiteside. Yeah, you wouldn't cut Rager. For somebody else. But he's, oh, he writes this whole, this whole thing about Ortega-Whiteside. You, says, you would, would you assume cut that if everybody's healthy, their depth chart is... Is Jeffrey Jackson Rager maybe our second white side? Yeah, maybe. I, I feel like that's what he's battling for is to be the number three receiver and maybe like the possession receiver while Alshon's out, and then he gets relegated behind Alshon whenever Alshon comes back. Like and, that's oh, a, a very good prospect profile for for Jaw. So it's definitely somebody that I like. You can be hopeful, but I. Do take a little issue with the idea that, like, if Chark had a nagging injury, he wouldn't have been 
or if he would have played, he would have been bad. Like, that's not what happened. He didn't play. He played. J-Jot did play, and he, he didn't draw targets, and he wasn't getting open. And we don't know how hurt he was. We would have to take his word for it. But, like, Devontae Parker was injured for most of his rookie season. And when he came back, he was productive. Um, Odo Beckham's not a great example, best rookie season ever, but had a hamstring injury early in the year. When he came back, he was productive. There are rookies who have been banged up, came back, and been productive. Now and He you played come, at a time when they needed him. They and they needed him. They needed yeah. him, and Greg Ward was outplaying him. I mean, yeah. He wasn't drawing any targets. He wasn't very good. And so for me, I, I actually like that's not what happened with Chark. Chark didn't play. And I do play, actually but, but have he, to look at the fact that JJ wasn't very good. No, he he okay, unless he was he played he DJ Chark did play. I don't know. This whole thing is wrong. He played eleven games and he did nothing. He had a hundred. He didn't play a bunch of snaps though. Uh JJ was playing like full snap shares. Okay, but DJ Chark did not miss an entire rookie season due to injury. He missed five games and he had a terrible rookie season. And then he had a huge second season. So, I, I mean, I, I think the premise is the same. I, he didn't write it that way. But J.J. Ortega-Whiteside's rookie season and D.J. Charks are, are pretty similar in my book. I mean, they both were extremely unproductive and underwhelming. And no re- and the give pre- you absolutely no right. reason the to draft is, is the yeah. talent the same? Is the situation the same? I mean, that's the things you got to ask yourself. So, I think if, if you're rooting for J.J., you're rooting for Jeffrey to miss time which is, seems very likely at this point. You're rooting for the rookies to be behind because of the lack of an offseason work, and they drafted three receivers. It wasn't just Rager. They drafted two other guys as well. So they're clearly trying to overhaul their receiving core to a certain degree. And then Jackson, we know, could still face a potential. Well, they've already said that they suspended him or, or penalized him in some capacity for his comments. Um, they haven't necessarily said what that is, so I don't expect him to miss time, but he's still 33 or 34 years old now, and he only played really one game last year. So if he misses time also, you know, there could be another opportunity here for him but he's got to prove it, you know? So in the dynasty league, am I cutting him only if there's somebody out there that uh, I really, really like, and that's probably not going to be the case if dynasty roster is as deep as it probably is. But I think, you know, give him an opportunity, you know, see what happens early in the season and then you can make a move. And uh, again, I, and I want to correct myself real quick on the chart thing. Cause you're right, Adam. I just looked at those snap shares. The snap shares he played when he was, held, uh, when he was in the lineup in his rookie season are not too dissimilar from Jay Jaws last year. So it actually is a pretty fair comp. Um, and again, JJ has a good prospect profile. He was a, a good producer at Stanford and, and early, and it's not uh, another guy we can throw in here is Nikhil Harry. It's not dissimilar from that. And I'm very excited about Nikhil Harry. So yeah, you guys are right. The premise is, the premise is fine. And maybe I need to give JJ a little bit more, more, uh, credit for being in a similar upside position as Nikhil Harry. Second year receivers, baby. All about year two. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Hope this was fun. Have a little bit of floor and a little bit of upside when you draft, that's for sure. For Dave Richard. Let's have both and just, you know, kick everybody's butt. Yeah, draft two teams and they're both going to be great. You know, just like James. <laughs> uh, for Dave, for Jamie, for Ben, I'm Adam. We will talk to you on Twitch on Tuesday night and on Wednesday uh, with another episode of Fantasy Football Today, a live mock draft. So we'll see you then. Go win your league. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 